Hello, and welcome to the first edition of On the Go with VAO News Podcast, a weekly presentation during which we'll recap some of the week's top headlines from our acquisition news and discuss some hot topics and intriguing trends in a fast and mobile listen-where-you-are format. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Bill Olfer, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I am Bill's colleague and less senior news writer, Dara Curran. We are going to get started by giving you a quick recap of some of the week's significant headlines. And then Bill and I are going to dive into a little discussion about a trending topic that's caught our eyes while we covered the week's acquisition developments. This week, we'll be taking a look at a recent proposed rule that would implement President Barack Obama's executive order on fair pay and safe workplaces. But first, let's talk headlines. Bill, what do you got? On June 1st, Office of Federal Procurement Policy Administrator Ann Rung issued new guidance on the use of reverse auctions. The memorandum suggests several areas agencies should consider before using reverse auctions, including whether the requirement is suited for this approach, whether the agency has fully considered the results of previous auctions, and whether the agency has promoted the maximum amount of small business participation. Rung urges agencies to talk with vendors about their experiences using reverse auctions and to ensure the acquisition workforce has access to appropriate tools and training. Going forward, OFPP plans to convene a working group to identify management tools and best practices for reverse auctions. OFPP also published a proposed rule that would establish 13 new locality pay areas recommended by the Federal Salary Council. The 13 cities are Albany, New York, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Austin, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Davenport, Iowa, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Kansas City and St. Louis, Missouri, Laredo, Texas, Las Vegas, Nevada, Palm Bay, Florida, and Tucson, Arizona. Comments on that proposed rule are due by July 1st. Well, the General Services Administration apparently has tons of irons in the fire right now. seems like every day this week we heard about a new product or procurement effort coming out of the agency. One of the things that GSA announced this week was that it has created a five-point strategy aimed at smoothing the transition from networks to the Network Services 2020 or NS2020 Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions Telecommunications Contract. That is a mouthful. They need a longer acronym for something, that entire thing. Um, back in ancient history times, when the conversion from FTS 2001-2 networks took place, there were some really quite lengthy turnaround times being seen. GSA reports it took a full six years to get everyone migrated over to the new contract. So they're planning to tighten that up this time around and have identified five strategies to make that happen. This includes obtaining high-level buy-in at agencies establishing a strong transition plan, providing early and effective support, and making sure progress rolls out in a phased and orderly approach, and providing transparent, meaningful reporting so that agencies can see the progress that they've made so far as well as where they need to end up. GSA pushed back the release of the final EIS request for proposals until September, which will allow it to address agency and vendor comments on the draft. GSA also launched some online tools to support its category hallway for professional services. The tools include a statement of work library, a searchable database of professional services contracts, a targeted interface to pull data from the federal procurement data system, and a pricing tool that gives estimated hourly rates based on existing professional services task orders. 
There's also the Contract Awarded Labor category, or CALC tool, which allows contracting officers to conduct research and price analysis for professional labor categories across a huge database. This is going to search awarded uh, contract prices for 48,000 labor categories on more than 5,000 recent GSA contracts. We did provide a brief demo of the CALC tool in our recent VAO webinar on price analysis, so be sure to check that out if this is something you are interested in. GSA's 18F team has also created a repository of best practices on technology topics such as agile development, accessibility, open sources, application programming interfaces, and automated testing. 18F hopes the repository will help agencies as they work on standing up their own internal digital services teams and work to improve current digital development and acquisition processes. The team also is inviting feedback on those guides that they've put out there, as well as welcoming contributions to that content from the public and other agency offices. In defense news, the Department of Defense has updated its guidance for managing information technology services. Uh, the second edition of the DoD Enterprise Service Management Framework incorporates industry best practices and provides standards for managing existing IT services, as well as requirements for the acquisition and contracting of new services and capabilities. DOD also reissued DOD Instruction 5200.39, Critical Program Information, Identification and Protection Within Research Development, Test, and Evaluation. That's a lengthy one. That is also Poli a lengthy one, yes. <laughs> That's a lengthy one, yes. Policy defines roles and responsibilities for various aspects of information protection and establishes principles for protecting CPI. That policy is effective May 28th and is available on DOD's issuances website. So we also had a few noteworthy proposed rules come out this week. To start with, there are two proposed rules that would implement provisions of the Small Business Jobs Act. The first of those would amend the FAR to define multiple award contract. The second would amend the FAR in relation to contract bundling by requiring agencies to include in their solicitations for any multiple award contract above the substantial bundling threshold a provision soliciting offers from any responsible source, and that can include responsible small business concerns and teams or joint ventures of small business concerns. would also require agencies to publish on their websites the government-wide policy regarding contract bundling and a list and rationale for any bundled contracts. On October 2013, the Small Business Administration updated its regulations to reflect these requirements, and these proposed rules would update the FAR to align with SBA's rules. Comments on both of these are due by August 3rd. And now, finally, which we mentioned at the outset of our podcast, a proposed rule issued at the end of May would implement the executive order on fair pay and safe workplaces. And this is generating a lot of discussion and a little controversy from some industry groups. We also suspect that agencies are going to be hearing a lot about this as well. So are you ready to wade into this bill? Yes. Yes, I am. Industry has pushed back uh, quite a bit about this already. Oh, yeah. Um, both when the executive order was issued last fall and then now that the proposed rule is out. It has been um, kind of a constant stream of complaints, what I've seen. Yeah, it has been. It has been. <laughs> you know, you, our contractor groups, they, they weigh in on regulatory activity a lot, um, you know, especially when there's any new compliance or um, reporting burden. Um, but this one, it's been a while since industry's kicked up quite this much dust about a proposal. 
Um, just by way of background, the proposed rule uh, would implement President Obama's July 2014 order, uh, which you mentioned, which was intended to improve contractor compliance with labor laws. The rule would require contractors to disclose certain labor law violations when they bid on a contract, and it would require contracting officers to use that information to make a responsibility determination prior to contract award. Now, this would need to be done only for the apparent successful offer, but all offers would be required to submit the information with their bids. The rule also would require prime contractors to gather this information from their subcontractors and make similar responsibility determinations. Uh, primes and subs also are required to disclose violations during contract performance, at which point the contracting officer can take a wide variety of actions um, from no action at all to referring the matter to the Department of Labor or referring the contractor uh, for suspension and debarment if the contracting officer determines that there is a serious and continued – Very naughty. Yeah, series of behaviors uh, that, that need to be addressed. So, you know, I understand that our clients are probably – you know, thinking right now, oh, my gosh, you know, great. Another step that we have to take in the process. And and certainly with this much controversy being kicked up already, the natural next question is, how is this going to affect protests? Um, but, you know, what is industry so concerned about exactly here? I mean, you know, this is kind of yeah, it's if you're if you're a naughty person, you have to fear, um, you know, about this. But but if you're not, what's the problem? Well, there's 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 a list, and with any time there's a new reporting uh, burden or compliance uh, request, there's costs involved. You know, costs in gathering gathering this information internally, getting it from your subcontractors, reporting it to the agency. It just adds to your bid time. Mm. Um, they're also concerned that this is going to penalize mistakes as opposed to misconduct. The the, the executive order did not really discern between. In, in overlooking something and doing something on purpose, mm -hmm. let's say. Um, it also equates legal proceedings, you know, law violations um, to things like uh, arbitration or administrative settlements and also allegations. It doesn't draw a distinction between um, actual wrongdoing and accusations of wrongdoing. So mm -hmm. industry is – Convictions, yeah, it's all yes. like in the same bundle, huh? Okay. Yes, they've expressed concern about that. Um, industry groups have also questioned whether the order is even needed. You know, the government has avenues for taking care of bad actors, um, denying contracts to vendors with history of violating labor law. Um, the administration has estimated that there's really only a fraction of government contractors who have violations that would be reportable true, very true, yeah. under the order. And then finally, uh, the administration has said that it does actually have this information already. But the government databases don't talk to each other oh, and yeah. and allow the information to be linked, you know, from the the whatever the violation database is to your contracting database. Oh yes, we see that so much. That's always a problem with yeah. It's I, I know you know in a decade in the future this won't be an issue, but right now yeah, none of them are communicating. Not, not talking. So. Yes. Well, I mean you know, and it's a it's certainly a good valid idea. I know that the the principle behind this is really just to penalize those bad actors. And again, there's not that many of them um, within the federal contracting pool. You know, mostly it's, it's upstanding companies who are trying their best and everything. But, you know, on the other hand, um, I know in the initial news coverage of that executive order, there is a correlation between companies that 
are repeat offenders and 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 the risk that they pose to the government as a contractor because you know if they're if they're shoddy and irresponsible in one area that's it's, it's probably not an isolated incident you know so point. anyway but you know there's a lot of pearl clutching going on and a lot of panicking <laughs> um but you know it this isn't even finalized just yet um so i don't i don't think we need to panic but you know definitely definitely and something to keep an eye on right yes oh yeah this is something i'm i'm we'll be following of course and then i'm you know, our listeners a number of them probably want to follow this as well cuz it's not just an industry compliance requirement oh, yeah. um, you know, there's burdens on the contracting officers as well yep. um comments on this rule are open until july 27th uh, the proposed rule includes a lot of other provisions that we did not discuss today. We just really kind of covered the the kerfuffle. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot more to the digest about bits. fair pay um, and other issues. Um, but there are seven more weeks or so in the comment period. Again, it's till July 27th, so there is time to uh, go read our new our news coverage, read the final rule, and uh, and our listeners can weigh in on that. Yeah, and formulating. We, we encourage opinion. you to do that, and if there's things that aren't clear or um, or if there are things that are contradictory, then definitely we, our listeners should weigh in on that. Yeah, definitely. And our, if our listeners do have comments on this proposed rule, I bet you have plenty of thoughts. We would love to hear them. You can also comment on VAO on the same page where you have downloaded our podcast. Now, also there, you're going to find links to the headlines that we recapped in this week's podcast uh, for further reading. And so you can obtain further details on items that you are interested in. That is all from me and Bill for this week. We thank you very much for tuning in, and we hope to see you again next Friday when we'll do it all over again.